realize that's the fourth time you've been told good morning since you've been here, so I apologize. Uh, first thing we're going to do uh, to get started this morning is uh, we're all going to take a, a, a big breath in and then an exhale, okay? So all together. <gasps> all right, one more, one more, okay? Inhale, exhale. Okay, two things with that, all right? So the, the first inhale, exhale was you only having to, having to hear me for one week, okay? Tony will be back next week. I'm just filling in, all right? I'm just filling in. Um, the second thing is for everything you got going on in your life. Um, I don't know about you, but life is really busy right now. Um, I, I know many of you are in the full swing uh, in harvest season. I know many of you have very busy schedules at work. Uh, a lot of people coming off fall break, uh, spending time with family. And we need time to just be able to breathe, to just be able to exhale and to say, okay, now we get to slow down here for a few minutes. Uh, this week especially has been really busy for me. Um, we, we had a couple of projects uh, or a couple of events happen with our student ministry. Gonna be, there's going to be a picture up here on the screen for you here in a second. Um, so God's really blessing our student ministry, um, and, and I'm, just, I'm really grateful uh, for the work he's doing there. Um, and, and, and some of you may, uh, may have heard of that. Some of you have may, uh, may know uh, kids or may have grandkids or kids that come that are part of our rooted student ministry. But, but God's just really blessing us there. Uh, and so I'm really excited for the work that he's doing within our student ministry. And, and this week, uh, we, had a couple, uh, we had a couple of events. So um, our first event that we had this week was over at Scottsburg. So we got to partner up with uh, Bunker Hill Christian Church and with Scottsburg First Christian, uh, with their youth, we had about 120 kids there uh, with all three groups. And we got to go out there on Wednesday, uh, and we got to worship with them. We got to uh, uh, play a lot of games together. We got to have this big flag football game uh, against Bunker Hill, and it was a beautiful day. It was, it was kind of like yesterday in between both rains. And uh, it was just it was an amazing time. It was an amazing time. So we got to do that Wednesday. Uh, and then Thursday, um, we, got, we had this uh, service project called Surf Salem. So every time we have a uh, fall break or a spring break, we plan out some service projects uh, and, and some opportunities uh, for our students to serve in the community, to serve someone in need, uh, ministry in need. And, uh, and this week, we got to be uh, a part of uh, serving at the women's shelter in Salem. Uh, we got to go over to the women's shelter and do some painting for them, uh, which, you know, really involved more painting on, of bodies than it did on the walls, but uh, the, the, the project was a lot of fun, uh, and, and, and we just, it, w- it was a blast just being able to be together, uh, and, and so those are just a couple things that have been happening within our student ministry. I'm sorry, my picture's not up here, that's my fault, um, but th- those are a few things that have been happening during our student ministry right now, uh, and then also, uh, yesterday, um, I had, had some very, very close friends helped me move. So my family and I, uh, we, we moved across town. Uh, and uh, y- you know how moving goes, right? No stress, right? Low stress. Well, the, the, that's kind of my mentality with most things in life. And it, it really frustrates my better half that I don't have very much stress in my life. Um, but uh, th- this week was definitely stressful as far as the moving goes. Uh, and then on top of that, um, so, so we moved yesterday, had, had some friends help us move, very grateful for them, and uh, had great weather. And, and, and after we got moved, um, my, my girls, Ireland and Finley, they were, they were getting 
uh, babysat at someone's house, and uh, they, they came over to the house. Uh, there's, there's our pictures. Well, they're coming. They're on the back screen. They're coming. There we go. Okay, sorry. Let me back up. So there's, there's our group of students. Over 30 students went to Scottsburg with us. And then the next one, there's our group of students that were over at the women's shelter. Uh, you can see some paint here and there, but they, they had a blast. We had a, bas- a blast painting. Uh, and then um, my family, uh, so we moved yesterday, and after we moved, uh, my daughter shows up, my two daughters, and within 30 seconds of being at our new house, my daughter splits her head open. And, and, and so that's the picture of us over at the hospital. So I picked up some pizza and came back, and, I, and when I walked in the door, there was, you know, my wife had her, and she was, had blood all over her face. And anyways, she's fine. She got some Dermabond glue stuff on her forehead, and she was happy because she could watch Netflix while she was waiting on the doctor. But, uh, you know, needless to say, it's, it's been a busy week. It's been a busy season, uh, as, it, as it has been for many of you and continues to be. Um, but this morning... We want to be able to meet you where you're at in that busy season. We want to be able to meet you where you're at in your spiritual growth, and we want to be able to pour into you. So uh, let me get us started with a word of prayer, and then we're going to dive into our message. Jesus, we thank you this morning for your love. Jesus, we thank you uh, that you paid the price for us. Jesus, thank you that we don't have to live in shame and in guilt. Lord, thank you that we don't have to live uh, in, in fear, but we know that you're with us. God, thank you for that word those words that uh, Eric brought to us in communion, God, just a reminder that uh, we're redeemed, uh, that we're forgiven. Uh, God, thank you that this morning we can slow down, we can breathe, knowing, Lord, that you are with us and that you want to teach us and you want to pour into us. God, thank you for pouring in uh, to our students here at Mount Tabor. Lord, thank you for pouring into our children. Lord, thank you for pouring into us through uh, fall small groups uh, and different ministries like Hoosier's Help. Lord, thank you that we can be a part of this journey together. Lord, we give you the glory. We ask that um, as the message is brought forth, Lord, that I'm not, that I'm not speaking, Lord, just, but that you're speaking through me uh, and that you would reign supreme. God, we love you. And we ask all of these things in your name. Amen. So today we get to get started on a new sermon series called A Church That Needs Corinthians. Okay, so we're going to be in 1 Corinthians Uh, And I'm really excited about this series because in this sermon series, we get to look at some things, some things we won't like, but we need to grow in, some things that divide us, some things that keep us from growing collectively, from growing as a body together in Christ. So we get to look at 1 Corinthians, we get to look at the things that divide us, the things that keep us from God. Um, And you know, as I was preparing for this series and going over some notes with Tony uh, and, and looking ahead to it and getting ready for the move and everything going on this week, um, this, this, this thought and this thing I heard uh, last week came to mind. So last week I got to go down to Atlanta with my wife to a church conference. Uh, so we got to be poured into and, 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 and led there. Really enjoy that. But uh, this speaker, her name was Christine Kane. Some of you may have heard of her. She's a, a world-renowned speaker. She was there. Um, and, and in her message, she taught on Jesus uh, healing the, the man that, that was uh, the, the invalid that was by the pool of uh, Bethesda. He had, been there, he had been invalid for 38 years. He had been laying on his mat waiting for the, you know, the, the miraculous powers of the water to heal him. And, and, and Christine Kane in this message, she said, 
she, she, she had this thought come through her. She had this, 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 this revelation come through her of God speaking these words to her on a daily basis. That's going to be up here on the screen. So the, the, these words that, that Christine Kane had that, that I've been challenged by was God saying to us every single day, I thought I was enough. I thought I was enough. Let me give you a little bit of background there. Jesus is uh, there at the pool of Bethsaida, and, and the man is sick. He's on his mat. And, and what does Jesus say to the man? He says, he doesn't say, do you believe? He doesn't say, do you have faith? He just says, do you want to be healed? Do you want to be healed? And he has, the man has some excuses, you know, on why he hasn't been healed. But Jesus is being very direct with this man. He says, do you want to be healed? Do you want to be healed? And in this message, God is also saying to us, am I enough for you? Am I all that you need? Am I your provider and your sustainer, the Lord of your life? Or am I just a God that you put in place on Sunday morning or on Wednesday night or when you have the time? Am I enough? So I've been challenged by that. Uh, and and, and, I, and I, my, my prayer and my desire as I prepared this week is that you would be challenged by that, those words as well. God speaking to you saying, I thought I was enough for you. Am I enough for you? So uh, we're going to jump right into the text. We're going to be in 1 Corinthians 1, uh, 10 through 12. So if you've got a Bible with you, great time to open that up. There's some Bibles in the pews. If not, sorry, we're having a few issues with our screen. We're trying to get it figured out. But we're going to be in 1 Corinthians 1 to start out. Okay, so 1 Corinthians 1, verses 10 through 12. Okay, I'm going to read that. The words of Paul speaking to the people of Corinth. I appeal to you, brothers... By the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree and that there may be no divisions among you, but that you may be united in the same mind and the same judgment. For it has been reported to me by Chloe's people that there is quarreling among you, my brothers. What I mean is that each one of you says, I follow Paul, or I follow Apollos, or I follow Cephas, or I follow Christ. So here in 1 Corinthians 1, Paul is, uh, he's, he's, he's admonishing the people for their faith and their holiness. We see that earlier in chapter 1. But then Paul says, okay, we've we got to get down to the issue at hand, right? And, and there's always issues at hand, whether we're in church or, or, or whether we're with our family or, or whether we're just struggling in our faith. There's always issues and, and things that divide us and things that keep us from being close to God. And Paul says... There's an issue here in Corinth, and here's the issue. He says, you're, you're quarreling, you're arguing, you're letting things divide you, and, and, and this is what is dividing you. This is the issue that's dividing you. You're saying, oh, I follow Paul, or I follow Apollos, I follow Cephas, or I follow Christ. And even the people in that time in Corinth that said, I follow Christ, they were actually rejecting all the teachings of Paul, of Apollos, of other godly men. They were only saying, oh, well, we'll only follow Christ, and, and since Christ isn't here with us, then, then we have a problem. So even those people, even, even those Christians were in the wrong place. So we have this, this quarrel, right? We have this, uh, these, these divisions, these things that um, are, are, are just are, are disuniting the church, that are disuniting the people of Corinth. 
And, you know, if we're being perfectly honest, people had their reasons for following Paul, right? I mean, Paul, he was, uh, he was the Gentile converter. He was the one that, you know, God met on the road to Damascus. People knew that God changed Paul's life. So, you know, I, I can't blame it for people saying, oh, I'm, I'm a follower of Paul. Or what about Apollos? Apollos was very eloquent. He was very philosophical. He was, he was an Alexandrian, so he was, he was very wise. He spoke with very wise words and of eloquence. And what about Cephas? That's Simon Peter. What, what did Jesus say to him? He said, you're, you're the rock that I'm going to build my church upon. And as I said, there were even some that said, well, we'll only follow the leadership of Jesus if he was here with us. So the, the problem wasn't that people were saying, well, I follow Paul. Why well, follow the teachings of Paul? So the, the, the problem was that people were elevating men above God. They're elevating something else, someone else, above God in their life. They were saying, hey, th- th- this, is, this is the thing that I follow. This is the thing that I give my attention and my devotion to. That, 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 that these people that they know, that they have wisdom. But the people in Corinth were weren't living the way that God wanted them to live because their faith was based on something that Paul said or something that Apollos said, and they were giving all of their attention to those men. They were giving all of their attention to the messenger and not the message. That, that's the theme that we're going to keep coming back to this month in our sermon series. We can't confuse the messenger with the message. Right? We can't confuse the messenger with the message. So we have the people in Corinth. They're saying, well, I'm over here. Well, I'm over here because I believe this. Well, I believe what Cephas says. Well, I believe what Apollo says. And they're quarreling. They're arguing. So the church, God's holy people, and these are, these are people that have accepted Christ, they're, they're fighting, they're, they're arguing, they're quarreling. They have this disunity, and they can't come together as one body. Let's move forward a little bit into 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Okay, so we're going to be in chapter 3 for the rest of the message. We're going to start in verse 4, and that will be up on the screen for you. Starting in verse 4, Paul says, For when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not being merely human let's read verse 4 again for when one says I follow Paul and another I follow Apollos are you not being merely human so even apart from the division we see people saying I pick this side of the room or I pick this side or I pick this part of church or I pick this part of church because there's certain things I don't like about what this person says or but what this person believes because it doesn't line up with what Paul says or doesn't line up with what Apollo says because they have different styles so we see these things coming together and 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 the people they're picking and choosing sides I don't know if you've ever had that happen in your life in church or outside of church where you've gravitated toward a certain leader gravitated toward a a certain friend, gravitated to one side of the church or another side. But something we forget, and I forget, is that the church is the bride of Christ. 
And as a body, as the bride of Christ, we're compelled and we're commanded to be united together. So let's put it into our frame of reference. So we have Paul, Apollos, different teachings, different styles. Well, couldn't we say the same about, well, Mount Tabor is different from Westview. Or Westview is different from Southern Hills. Or Southern Hills is different from Sorry. Or Sorry is different from Northside. It can, go, it can go either which way. And we can gravitate toward one or the other, not just because a certain style of worship or a certain style of preaching or a certain vision of the church is different, but because we can get caught up on people. We can get caught up on elevating people and what they say above what God says. Remember, we can't confuse the messenger with the message. So Paul here, he's calling out the Corinthians. He's calling out the Corinthians because they're struggling with this issue. And, and, and that issue of, of division, it's causing major issues within their heart. The issue at Corinth is more about a division of, I follow Paul, I follow Paul. It's an issue of pride and division of one's heart. And when pride seeps into our life, when division seeps into our life, when those things divide us, there's one thing I know about pride, because I struggle with it. it. It just, it takes a hold of you. Pride just takes a hold of you. Where you, you can desire to want to do the right thing. You can desire to, to, to want to follow God's mission. But if you let pride latch on to you in life, it can, it can really make a mess of things. Pride can really make a mess of things. Of thinking, well, this is better here. Or this is better there. What about this church? What about that church? When pride latches on to us, it's hard to let go. So I challenge you. Can you recall a time when pride latched on to your life? Can you recall a time when pride latched on to your life and your church? How did you respond to that pride? What Paul is going to show us here in 1 Corinthians 3 is that our lifestyle can't imitate pride. It can't imitate what we want. It has to imitate the message of salvation. Paul's calling us to a lifestyle. He's calling the people of Corinth and us today to a lifestyle where we have to readjust our thoughts and attentions. Let's move on down to verse 5 in chapter 3. Paul's going to be talking to us more about how we readjust our mindset, how we readjust what our heart is centered on. Verse 5 says, What then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you believed as the Lord assigned to each. So Paul himself is saying, what, why, why are you speaking about Apollos? Why are you even speaking about me? He said, They are servants through whom you believed as the Lord assigned them to each. And, but nothing Paul or Apollos is doing is wrong. Nothing that they're doing is wrong. Paul is not, uh, you know, commanding that these, these people uh, leave the teachings of Apollos or Cephas or himself. Paul is saying, where is your focus? He, Paul is saying, you're missing the most important thing. The people of Corinth, they're missing the most important thing. Paul wants us to see something deeper at hand, something that's taking place in the heart. And also, as I was reading this text and studying it this week, I noticed that, uh, you know, 
Paul or Apollos, they don't have the term here used as a minister or preacher or great leader or highest number of baptisms or the best disciple maker. What is the word that is attributed to Paul and Apollos in five in verse five? Servants. They are servants through whom you believed in the Lord assigned to each. So what is the equivalent of a servant? We've we've heard the we've heard the scriptures, we've heard the words of Jesus, you know, to to follow me you must be a servant. You must carry up your cross. If you want to be served, you must first be a servant. But but what what is a servant? It's someone it's more than just giving up of your time. John Piper, a theologian, actually uh had the had this had this study on what it meant to be a servant. And this is what he kind of put the equivalent to, a table waiter. So anybody here ever had a table waiter before at a restaurant? Anybody? Okay. So um, let's, let's talk a minute about a table waiter, okay? So we show up to a restaurant, and, um, you know, we, we go up and we, we see the hostess, and we're the host or hostess, and we're, we're waiting to get seated, right? And we go sit down, and, and what's the first thing usually that a table waiter brings us? Water, right, or a drink, you know? Right? Okay, so they're going to offer us, hey, how are you doing today? Is this your first time? They, people have different styles there, but they're going to say, hey, can I get you something to drink? What, what can I get you started off with today? And, you know, as I was thinking about this, uh, this equivalency, this servant table waiter thing, I was thinking back about a couple weeks ago um, at a restaurant, actually, when I was traveling with my wife down to the conference, and um, we, we went to this restaurant, and, and we got set down, and it had been... It only been a couple minutes. Our table waiter came up, really nice guy, looked like he was doing a really good job, very friendly, and he, and he took our drink orders, right? Well, then a couple minutes passed by, and, you know, usually you're just, you, you know, you're ready to sip on your Coke or your water or your sweet tea, and, okay, he hasn't been back yet. All right, he's busy. The, the restaurant was semi-busy. Well, five or six minutes goes by, and he's not back, so usually I just kind of, like, peek my eyes over the, you know, over the booth just to see if he's around, you know, just to make sure. You know, just to see if he's slacking off. And he's going every which way. He's taking care of tables. And, and then about 8 or 10 minutes pass by, still no drink. About 12 or 13 minutes pass by, no drink. Okay, trying to be patient. Trying to breathe. All right? It's just the drink. We haven't, we haven't made the order. We're just waiting for a drink. So about 15 minutes passes by, no drink. Hasn't been back to the table. Well, I was getting a little thirsty and a little impatient, so, so, but, but I had a choice there to react the right way or the wrong way. We, we end up switching tables, we end up switching sections, told the people in front of the hostess, hey, it's no big deal, we, were just, we just haven't got a drink in 15 minutes, so we were just wondering if we could sit over here. I said, sure, yeah, no problem. But as we think about that relationship, as we think about a servant being, being the equivalent of a table waiter, somebody... That, that, is ser- that their, their goal and their intention is to serve you, to do whatever you need them to do, to, be, to pour out into you. That is what Paul and Apollos were doing. And that, that's what the words that God uses to describe them. He says they're servants through whom you believed. So servant, table waiter. Now, Paul and Apollos had... A lot of biblical knowledge, right? They had a lot of life experience. 
they knew the scriptures. They knew that Jesus made all the difference in the world. And they had a choice to be boastful in that. They had a choice to be proud leaders, to be the center of attention. But what is Paul saying? He's saying it's not about the messenger. He said, no matter how great I seem to be, I'm, I'm, that's, that's not me. That's Christ in me. That's Christ in me. As Jesus came to serve and not be served, as a table waiter comes to serve and not be served, that is the equivalent of a servant. A servant is always on mission. Is always on mission to deliver what God is speaking into their life. Paul continues here in chapter 3 and verses 6 and 7. I planted... Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters anything is anything. So, so neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything. But only God who gives the growth. So we see this imagery of planting, of watering. You know, the seeds get planted. Jesus taught in parables on, you know, the seed being put in different places. And, and you, sometimes you just, you just have to plant the seed in people's lives. You guys know what that's like, whether it's a co-worker or uh, a schoolmate or, or a family member. You just sometimes, all you can do is plant a seed. Maybe that's a, starting in a friendship. You're planting a seed. You're acting in love. And that's what Paul was doing. Paul was planting seeds. And a- Apollos, he was, he was planting seeds. He was watering. Paul was, te- remember Apollos, he was very eloquent. He was very wise. He was, he was a teacher. He was discipling people to walk in the light of the gospel. So, so Paul was used. Apollos was used. There's nothing wrong with what they're doing. They're doing God's work. But where's the focus here? Where's the focus in verse 6? It says, Paul gave the growth. Apollos? No, God gave the growth. God gave the growth. So Paul is he's shifting the Corinthians, their focus, back to Who and what are you serving? Who and what is your heart centered on? It has to be on the Father. Because like Paul and like Apollos, you you, you all know uh, a lot of great preachers, me not being one of them, you all know a lot of great preachers, a lot of great teachers, a lot of people that that have invested in your life or uh, you've sat in church and listened to or you've learned from and and that's amazing. That's the work of the gospel. But if the focus isn't on our relationship with our Heavenly Father, then we're missing it. Then we're confusing the messenger with the message. And I, I love how Paul draws this out too when he says, he says, so neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. Only God who gives the growth. So, so Paul's saying, I, I'm nothing. I'm nothing. All the credit goes to God. And you know why Paul can say that confidently? You know why Paul can say that with boldness? Because Paul has a faith that won't waver. He has a confidence in God that, that, that can't be quenched, that, that pride can't latch on to. And, and Jesus taught us a lot about faith. He talked to us, he, Jesus taught us a lot about faith. And a confidence in God and knowing that he is with us. Because he is the one who gives all the growth. So, so what happens when we give God our heart? What happens when we give God our focus? What happens when we don't confuse the messenger with the message? The outcome is faith. 
The outcome is a confidence in God. The outcome is, is us not feeling empty inside because we're relying on someone else to feed us every week. We're, uh, it, and I say that in a, a teaching sense, in a learning sense, in our relationship with God. If we simply come here or, or, or are taught or led by one person or another, but we don't have that intimate, close relationship with God, pride is going to latch on to our life. It's going to be easier for things to get to us. We're not going to have that faith and confidence in God because he's the one who gives all the growth. So faith and confidence in God is primary. So that, that seems pretty obvious, right? I mean, we, we need to have faith in God. We need to trust in God. We, we can't go through this life and make everything happen on our own. But what most people confuse and, and what, what, what we do at times is we, we put those things in the wrong place. We say, oh, man, I, I, have, a, I have a great teacher. I have, this, I have this great preacher. I have this great leader. And, and I, I, everything they say, that, that's, that, that's my relationship right there. That's, that's my growth. That's why I've grown. And God uses those people. But if we confuse the messenger in place of the message, in place of the mission of the gospel, we won't have that faith and confidence that God wants to lead us in. Moving down to verse 8 in chapter 3. Paul says, he who plants and he who waters are one. He who plants and he who waters are one. And each will receive his wages according to his labor. So, you know, Paul here, he's, he's, he's kind of going into the, the conclusion of the message to these people on division. And he says, he says, if you're planting, if you're watering, you're, you're one together. And he says when you do that, he said you, you'll receive your wages according to your labor. There will be a reward. There will be a good and faithful servant before Christ. We go back to that table waiter metaphor. A servant is one who pours out, who focuses on message and mission. But why is this so important for us to do? Because... Maybe maybe you've realized this. Maybe you've thought this before. You, you can come to church your whole life and feel like a good person. You can come to church and feel like, man, like I'm, I'm doing what I need to do for God. And you can be struggling at home with your family. You can be struggling with your coworkers because your heart isn't centered on the mission. Your heart isn't centered on the message of the gospel. Paul is calling the people of Corinth to come together for one purpose. To be in one dependence on their father together. To be in one love together. One message. That message is Christ crucified. Less of me, more of him. So the people of Corinth, they, they're, they're missing this message. They, they've got caught up on the eloquent words. On the great leadership styles. But Paul here is saying, it's about the mission. It's about the message. You can't miss that. Verse 9, for we are God's fellow workers, and you are God's field, God's building. How are we fellow workers? Well, Paul and Apollos were working together, right? They were planting, they were planting at times. They were watering the seed at times. But God was primary. And it wasn't, oh, Paul and Apollos, we're working, we're, we're working here for the gospel, and, you know, God, he's here by our side. No, it's God was primary. God was primary in their life. The emphasis hasn't changed. It was God's authority. It was God's supremacy. 
It was God's ownership. And, you know, I thought about this next part, and I thought, how do I say this? I don't want to say this wrong. But I feel pretty good about it, so I'm going to let it out. So, so I think what Paul is trying to teach us here is that when it comes to being a part of a church, when it comes to being a part of a body, we don't belong to our elders. We don't belong to our preachers. We don't belong to the person we've always relied on for that biblical knowledge. Like, we, we cannot belong to those people. We belong to God. We belong to God. We are God's fellow workers. We are God's field. We are God's building. And, and that's not to say that our leadership isn't so important and where God's taking us. We have to trust our leadership. We have to trust one another. We have to trust those who are ministering to us. We have to be ministers together. We have to trust those who have poured into our life. But ultimately, we don't belong to them. And, and ultimately, our faith can't rest alone in those people. We belong to God. And, and, and those of you who have been here before, I mean, you all know our, our vision here, Community Changed by Christ, that it's, it's essential to our core, to what we believe, to who we are. It's essential to what we do in this community and the impact we make. And, and I'm so grateful for, for, for you doing that with us, for you being a part of that. But we can't put that in place of my relationship with Heavenly Father your relationship with Heavenly Father. We can't confuse the messenger or the ideas or the programs with what is most important. And that's a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Verse 21 of chapter 3, Paul says, So let no one boast in men, for all things are yours. God says all things are yours. Typically when we boast about something, typically when we're prideful about something, uh, we're seeking attention, right? We're seeking uh, uh, to be glorified. We're, we're seeking that out. But Jesus says, through Paul, he says, let no one boast in men, for all things are already yours. God has an, an incredible inheritance for us planned out, for those who love him, for those who are called according to his purpose, for those who will keep their hearts set on mission and set on the message. So what are you willing to give up for the creator of the world? Going back to that first part of the message. Remember that, that, that phrase I, I told you that I've been thinking about? God saying, am I, I thought I was enough to you. I thought I was enough. What are you willing to give up in your life? Maybe it's pride. Maybe it's something that divides you against someone else or something else. Maybe it's someone. What, what are you willing to to give over to God, to say, God, I'm focused on your mission. I'm focused on your message. Remember, Paul said we are God's field. We are God's co-workers. And I don't think it's ironic that God said we're, we're, we're his field. He, he used that imagery of planting, of watering, of, prepare, of needing workers for the harvest. We are God's building. And that building has a foundation that's set on Jesus Christ. And that's where our boasting, that's where, all, that's where it all goes to. It all goes to Christ. Because that's where our foundation is built. There's two things I want to leave you with today. We need to ask God to be the core of our life. Not secondary. Not secondary to our church or our preacher 
or our teacher or somebody that means a lot to us. Jesus needs to be primary. And every single day, that's what Jesus is asking us. Am I primary in your life? So there's two things I want to challenge you to take home with you today as you let God grow in your life and grow in your, in your mission. Don't confuse the messengers and the message and let God do the growth in you. We're going to close a little bit differently today. Um, my, I may ask you to stretch yourself a little bit. If you would stand with us, uh, and, if, and if you're comfortable with it, uh, please take the person's hand on your right and the person's hand on your left. We're going to pray together. And this is us uniting together, okay? So this is us coming together as God's holy people, as God's workmanship. We're united together. We can't let things divide us. We can't let things keep us from the message. Would you pray with me? Jesus, we thank you. We thank you that you challenge us, that you love us. God, whether my words have been clear or not today, I ask that you spoke through me. But God, I ask that you speak through your message. You use us as messengers, every one of us, not just leaders, not just preachers, not just ministers, not just clergy. Lord, you use us all as ministers of your gospel. Please challenge us to do that in a way that pleases you. Lord, as we unite together, this is just symbolic, us uh, you know, holding hands together and uniting. But God, this is a moment where we can choose to live our life on mission and to not let things divide us. God, let the example of Paul and his teachings in the Corinthian church encourage us to seek after you daily, to, to, to ask ourselves that, that question every morning. God, are, are you enough to us? Because the answer should always be a resounding yes. Because we need to live our life on mission. God, we love you. God, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you that we're all in this together. And that when we leave these, these, this building, God, that we remember that, that we're part of your building. That you're the foundation. God, that we're part of your field. That you use us to plant and to water. And you use our, your workers to go into the harvest. God, that we're your co-workers. God, I ask you to unite us to get together for your purpose and your mission. In Jesus' name, amen.